Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's get to the comments I tweeted out tonight. Time to celebrate. Comments, questions, Frosties, Spits mm-hmm. and Suds, Game 7, Post-Pod Party. Let's do this. Sean, do you have a Frosty with you at this current time? Probably we'll go get one after the after, after we finish recording here. I just got the big glass of water right now. So. You know, I know. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm disappointed in myself, too. Like, you know, I'm in a different part of the house, and I was thinking, yeah. you know, will Sean talk long enough so I can grab a quickie? <laughs> but, you know, yeah. your answers have been nice and short tonight. So, um, and by the way, 7 o'clock game. I feel like I could go all night. Like, this is amazing. But yeah, yeah. We will uh, start taking your questions. Okay. And comments. And let's start with uh, Nate, spelled N8. That's pretty cool. So Naderick NR says, yes, sir. And I agree. Thomas uh, Mischkel. That's, uh, yeah, M-I-S-Z-K-I-E-L. Why do I phonetically, you know, say these and uh, give the proper spelling of this? Because I want you to follow fellow Stars fans on Twitter. So that's why I explain their handles as well. What a goal by the youngsters talking about Wyatt Johnson bought bank off the helmet on purpose. Probably not, but slick hands. Nonetheless, best starts podcast out there. Woohoo boys. Well, I agree with the latter, but that I'm biased. So I will say, was it on purpose? I think it was not necessarily hit him off the helmet, but yeah, when you have the talent of Wyatt Johnston. I'll say, and it happened the other night. I'm trying to think who it was. Was it Hints a couple of games ago that roofed one up close against Grubauer? Um, yeah. It, yeah, one of the previous games. When you can roof a puck that close to the goalie, I am totally impressed because the curvature of the stick is regulated. We know that. But, man, that's amazing, top shelving that that close. Yeah, it's a great finish. It's a great finish. We talked about it, and it's – it's a great read on the play and everything like it's uh Johnston's a special he's a special player and it's gonna be I was thinking about um I was talking to Pete DeBoer a couple about a month ago and uh, we were talking about Wyatt Johnston and uh I was same time I was also talking to it was when the stars were in Detroit and someone from the Windsor Star was there and they asked him about uh Wyatt Johnston and uh and Pete kind of uh retorted rather quickly that like well you know what I bet the uh I bet the Spitfires would still be in the playoffs if he was still there so uh, <laughs> to give you an idea of what what the alternative reality is where Wyatt Johnston I mean it's actually it's almost crazy it's almost fitting like it's like Wyatt Johnston was 
at the start of this year, we had the whole conversation about the pros and cons of whether yeah. he should be playing junior hockey or not. Never was it a conversation of the pros and cons of what he, he also had the game winning goal in game six against Minnesota, Gavin. Yeah. That's two series now where he's had the game winning. He's had the series clinching goal in back-to-back series as a 19 and now 20 year old. And like, it's, uh, I, I like the another random Wyatt Johnston side fact. I love the fact that he has been, because the stars have always been kind of like eerily weird about, about numbers. They've always been, uh, they've always like, you have to be a big, you have to, you have to be a big name before you're in Dallas to earn a number outside the traditional, like uh, quote unquote hockey number, right? Like Tyler Sagan wears 91 because 19 is retired in Dallas. Um, but outside of that, you have to be kind of a veteran player to have one of those bigger numbers or have one of those odder numbers. And so the fact that Wyatt Johnson has been allowed to wear 53 from the beginning, which is actually his number, I actually like it. It's a very dumb, silly thing, mm-hmm. but I actually, I actually like it because it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't one of those things where it's like, ah, well, we'll force him to wear 15 or something like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, all right. We continue with your comments and questions. He's Sean Shapiro. I'm Gavin Spittle. Here's a good one. My neighbor, John texted. Wow. What a game. Looking forward to your podcast, man. Just, just come over the house and you can listen to it live. <laughs> <laughs> but shout out to John and I uh, really appreciate uh, great neighbor, great neighbor. And uh, just, just awesome. Uh, and we have some great uh, in the middle of the street conversations about hockey and other sports. <laughs> All right. So Jason Rosenbaum at Jay Rosenbaum writes to us, why was Otter the first star, not Wyatt Johnston? Jake deserved to be one of the three stars, but I wouldn't say first. So your thoughts on that, Sean, and also for those at home, explain how the three stars of the game works. Yeah, so every building is different. And um, so tonight, I just pulled up the game sheet. So tonight, uh, Taylor... Taylor Baird from NHL.com, who also is the managing editor over at Defending Big D. She's the one who picked the three stars tonight. And one of the uh, one of the important caveats about the three stars of the game, if you are the one that's selecting them, and I have been in that spot before, you have to make your selection with seven minutes. You have to give your you have to give your answers in with seven minutes remaining in the game. So you give a list with your three stars with seven minutes remaining, and you can make modem you can make modifications. You can. You can be like, hey, here's my three stars if this team comes back or whatever. But basically you're giving a list with seven minutes left. So a lot of the times the three stars of the game in Dallas are really the three stars of the game after 53 minutes. That's just the reality of how the logistics of it work. If something crazy happens, you can ask for a change or something like that, but it's only would really be done on the official score sheet and not announced by, by, by Jeff, by Jeff K the announcer. A lot of people have the, and I don't disagree. I I don't completely disagree with it, but there are, um, there are some people when picking three stars who, believe that if a goalie gets a shutout, no matter what, they're the number one star. Um, as someone who as, as, a, as a proud member of the goaltending union, 
I'm supposed to, I'm nice. supposed to, I'm supposed to defend that ideology to the death. Uh, now I'm not going to, because I think there are times there are caveats to it, but basically to give an idea, I'm assuming, I'm assuming when Taylor, um, knowing how it works, when Taylor put in the three stars tonight, it was still, there was about 54 minutes left. There's six minutes were left in the game. Ottinger looked like he was going to have the shutout and hence is uh, it was still a two nothing game at that point. And, and it was kind of a total team effort right there. It's not like, um, I thought, I mean, Johnston was good, but it was a goal. It's not like there was, it's not like you could go and say he was head and shoulders above everyone else in every facet of the game. So I don't mind it. Um, I just think it was one of those nights where it was a complete team win and the three stars are kind of trying some are, are effectively trying to isolate a team win into something larger. Like I would have put, I personally probably would have tried to find a way to get Miro Heshkin into this because I thought the way he controlled the game agreed um, for more than 30 something minutes he was, but the three star system is a bit flawed. Um, but in Dallas, they at least put people's name on it. Like people get to pick and media actually there's other places where the three stars will come out and it'll be like, Oh, as picked by the media. And I hate to tell everyone this, but in some places it's not actually picked by the media. It's picked by the media relations for a respective team and it becomes a marketing tool. And that's where three stars get very weird. So at least in Dallas, it's still a media independent media member picking the three stars. So we could be happy about that. <laughs> so folks, that is why Sean Shapiro is my co-host because you guys are getting inside information about how things work. The other reason I love Sean Shapiro is because that answer gave me enough time to do this. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> Cracking the celebration frosty, baby. It's spits and suds celebration edition game seven post pod of spits and suds so dylan morland at dylan underscore m underscore 10 asks did you find bjorkstan bjorkstrand not celebrating the goal with 18 seconds left odd maybe not a celebration but at least a let's go or one more rather than seemingly conceding defeat all right so that's a really interesting question dylan thank you so much for asking that I think he's a pro and I think a lot of times in that situation, you know, you have to get one more. There's a limited time. So I think you limit the celebration. Uh, am I right on that, Sean? I just think it's one of yeah. those things where it's like, all right, let's go. But I just don't, I don't think it's the right time necessarily to celebrate, you know, hug each other. Hey, here we go. And everything like that. I, I just, you know I, mean, I mean, it's, 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 it's the equivalent of, it's the equivalent of, it's the equivalent of scoring the touchdown and you're down by, you're down by 14 scoring the touchdown with three seconds left. And now you got to get the onside kick and the, like, you know, it's like, you may give a fist pump and everything like that, but at the end of the day, you're hoping and praying for something. And I don't think it's, I don't have any issue with the reaction. I just, I think it's, it's one of those where your full focus at that point is not even about the goal itself. It's getting to the bench and regrouping and hoping that you can pull off a miracle in the next 18 seconds. That's yeah. really, I think where the whole focus becomes. 
And, and once again, I mean, said so much about that Seattle team. You notice when time is running down, that third line's on the ice. I mean, they were just yeah. so effective this series. Okay, uh, at Tyler Hay, 2-3, two, 2-3, three, two, three, Tyler Haywood. Dallas Stars being one of the top teams this year, why did ESPN say it was a surprise for them to be in the semis? Did they? I mean, did they say that? I, I didn't, Correct. I miss, I, I, I may have, I, I may have missed ESPN saying that. Um, I mean, Seattle being this far would have been a surprise as yeah. a, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a wild card. Um, was it, I do, so I don't, I, I do, I mean, I've had my commentary on ESPN's broadcasting, so I do want to be fair. I, I don't, I don't have the spot where, I know people who picked Dallas to win the whole thing. Like I picked Dallas to win the whole thing going to this year. I know people from ESPN. So I, I want to be, I want to make sure I have the proper context on that one before jumping on that, because Dallas being in this spot is not surprising. This is a team that was led the central for the entire season. And they were them and them in Vegas are the two best teams from the regular season left. So yeah, that's not surprising surprising to me so i i want to be fair to espn on this one where um if uh if they said that if someone said that that may have been one analyst's opinion or whatever but um i i will also say then just with a quick just aside of like it was obviously the espn coverage did really buy heavily into the seattle vibe of this year where there was definitely um, some love for that. And, uh, I think there was some bias shown on that front this series. Cause I think Seattle really was the darling that, that ESPN wanted to push a little bit more. And that's, that's not that it's okay, but I think that's what happened. And, um, but to say, to say that they were surprised Dallas made it, maybe that was one analyst's opinion or something like that, but, I don't think overall that was the feeling I got. I think it was more so of a, there was more of a, this Seattle story is amazing. Can we bottle it up? And, oh, heck, we've also got the Western Conference final coming up. We can sell the two newest franchises in the league. Mm-hmm. And with an ES, with being on ESPN the next round, and the Stars stole that from them. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll fully admit, uh, if you asked me to begin the season that they'd be in the conference finals, I'd be a little surprised. Um, but the stars finished higher than I thought they would. And I give mm-hmm. them a ton of credit. Um, I had them fighting for the third spot or a wild card. So, yeah. you know, I mean, that was just my prediction. And, yep. uh, I, you know, I'm happy um, that I was off on that. And uh, I'm happy they're in the conference finals. So Rupert at, Odysseus 1491 says, why does Pete DeBoer always have success in his first season with a new team as head coach? That really is a fascinating question. I have to say your questions tonight are amazing. And that is an interesting one. It just seems as though the buy-in, it seems the first year with all of his teams is, is pretty high up there, Sean. He also plays a fun style. Like that's the other thing too, right? Where, um, he has, 
like what his first year i mean he started in, in florida and never made the playoffs in florida but um reached the finals in his first year in new jersey reached the finals in his first year in san jose reached the western conference finals in his first year in vegas like he plays a style that's fun for guys to buy into um so i uh maybe maybe that's something what it has to do or maybe it's a bit of i don't know coincidence I'm not, I'm not sure but it's like it's uh it's he's he's been for someone who has uh i think players like playing for him and i think they like what he brings to a team and um i think then you combine that with a bit of basically you combine with a bit of luck and that's that's how you get that's how you get that's how you get what gets get what has happened um now, I do think there is something to be said about his T's now 7-0 in Game 7s. And there is something about making adjustments as a coach and being willing to make a tough decision of taking out a tie to Landria and putting in Luke Lindenning and scratching a Yanni Hockenpah, whether it was for healthy or injury-related, who really cares? I, I think we have seen some coaches in stars history that haven't been able to adjust with the season on the line. And I think that's something that uh, DeBoer deserves a lot of credit for. And that's why he's seven and zero in game sevens in his career. So let, let me ask when your, your experience in the locker room, when players are scratched, how do they celebrate with the rest of the team? Because the players come in, they're all in uniforms so the, the scratch players are just kind of standing on the outside? I mean, they're in the locker room, but they're standing on the outside? Um, I mean, you, you see, like, the people will see the videos, right, where the uh, like the, the guys who are scratched are typically, they're typically, like, by the entrance to the locker room, typically in their suits still and everything like that. And that's that's kind of, like, you'll see it when, they, when the guys, so what would have happened tonight? Stars won, they came off the ice, right? They walked off the ice of the AAC, did through that little tunnel, took a slight right, went down the hallway, yeah, through through the big through the big doors into the locker room area, through a little hallway, and all the guys who are healthy scratches or even injury scratches, whatever, are there, and you're you're giving like fist bumps as they go through to the locker room and everything like that, and then they would have gone into the locker room and they would have uh, they would Jamie Ben would have said something probably and. Jamie Benner, maybe Joe Pavelski would have said something and the players that were scratched would have been kind of on the periphery of the room at that point. And then guys would have started getting changed and they would have quickly cleared out before any media members showed up. So that's, that's kind of how that's, that's kind of the the play by play of how it goes for, for a home game in particular. Yeah. Well, so, I like it. Yeah, I like so. it. We pulled back the curtain here on spits and suds T Jetman. The later the game got, the tighter the sphincter got. Thank you so much, T. Jetman. And then with the final horn, sweet release, hashtag playoff fart. Hey, you know, there you go. At Brian Cauley asks, how good was De how good has DeBoer been in the playoffs? His calm presence, patience, and pulling the trigger when necessary has been playing chess when others playing checkers. Uh, you just mentioned it, Sean. I think the moves that he's made. I go back to even prior to the season to have the sit down with Jamie Ben and tell your captain, your star that you're going to move to the third line. Um, that's pre we knew anything about Wyatt Johnston. That's pre the acquisition of Dodonov. 
So I think to have that conversation, I think he's probably had some tough conversations with this team. So I give Pete DeBoer a lot of credit for this year, and I give him a lot of credit in the playoffs. I, I definitely think he's pushing some quality buttons right now. And as you mentioned, his Game 7 experience speaks for itself. Yeah, I, uh, to, I guess to add one more thing about DeBoer on all of this, I think they're one, one of the things he, he brings as a coach that the stars have lacked is someone who is more the stars past couple coaches, Rick bonus, um, Jim Montgomery, Ken Hitchcock, um, even Lindy Ruff to an extent were more of the big picture motivator types. Like there's different styles of coaching. And I think the, uh, the stars, sometimes you need a coach like that. Sometimes you need a guy who's a little bit more overly maniacal about the X's and O's. Like I remember I talked to Paul Maurice in the middle of the season because it's actually fitting that Florida and Dallas are both still in because Paul Maurice and Pete DeBoer are close, close friends going all the way back to when they were uh, they coached together for the Detroit Junior Red Wings in the when Pete was working on getting his law degree, and uh, Paul Maurice told me stories about how Pete DeBoer is the guy who he when he makes a decision he stands by it and he attacks it, and it's not that he won't take differing opinions, but you have to be able to clearly prove him wrong for him to, to delineate from that. And he comes in tactically looking at it that way, where I think so, a lot of recent others, recent stars, head coaches have been more of the, the motivator and more of the story first coach where Pete DeBoer is more of the, I'm going to drive the X's and O's this, so we're going to do this and then let the narrative if, if you can fit narrative into it, great. But otherwise, that's not that important. At DTGAX, Daniel Griffin asked, do you plan a spot start for Wedgwood in next round? Otter has <laughs> played a lot of games. I know, I know. Does it make sense to keep him fresher and not be reactive to a poor start? And Daniel, you I love our listeners, but you don't start Scott Wedgwood. You, no. you, don't, you don't start... You, you, you start Jake Ottinger is, is starting every game. You don't start Scott. Wesley. Yeah. And, and you know, Daniel, for reference, you wouldn't do that with any, any team. I, I understand what you're saying. As far as during the regular season, you are seeing backup goalies certainly take on more of a load compared to what it used to be. But yeah, you, 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 you got to go with Ottinger. You are a team with a, a clear number one and a number two. If it was a team with a one, a and a one B, okay, that's that's a different setup. And that would have been, like, that's what the Minnesota Wild were, right? The Minnesota Wild, yep. we are from, from round one, we saw a pretty good example of how that can backfire, right? Where um, Minnesota went Philip Gustafson in game one of that series. In game two, they went Marc-Andre Fleury, and he got absolutely shelled. And the... Uh, and the stars, uh, and, and, and it really was a, who knows if how things may have been differently if they had stuck with the hot hand. So I, uh, 
Scott Wedgwood is a fine backup goalie, but he's not playing in a playoff game unless disastrous things have happened. Uh, Green Bay of Texas at Green Bay of Texas. Who would you start at defense against Vegas, Miller or Hockenpah? It will be interesting to see if Hockenpah re-enters the lineup on Friday night. Yeah, I, I do wonder, um, well, because they won't have the, I mean, maybe they do, who knows what the injury is, but like Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there's you have four, what, four day break now before the next one. Yeah. Uh, like I, uh, It'll be interesting to see how they how they how they play it because I, like, I'm actually surprised, Sean. I thought that I thought they'd start the series on Thursday. I thought you'd go East starting on Wednesday and then you'd go Thursday. So the extra day, well, I'll take it. Well, that was, I mean, predetermined, right? Yeah. So what happened with that was the um, because ESPN took the uh, because because ESPN took the Western Conference Final. So we actually, so you, you want to talk about scheduling. This is actually, so ESPN by choice took the Western conference final this year, um, which means when Turner got the Eastern final and Turner also has the Eastern conference NBA final. And there was already a TNT, actually Miami game, Miami heat, uh, Boston Celtics game Wednesday night. So the, there could not, the Eastern final couldn't start on Wednesday. Um, so if there was going to be a series to start on Wednesday, it would have been the West. And so they weren't going, but they weren't going to have either Dallas or Seattle turn around and play less than two day play, play on Wednesday after playing Monday. So this is a nature where if the decision had been flipped and ESPN had hypothetically taken the Eastern final and they have the first choice, if they had, if they had hypothetically taken that, we probably would have saw seen the Eastern final start on Wednesday. Um, but then we would have had very frustrating sports world reality where the Miami heat and the Florida Panthers have been playing at the exact same time. So the, the TV decision on this actually set up the longer break and, uh, it's for the better, actually, in this. Yeah, case, so. no, definitely, definitely take it. All right, let's go to see money. R O F L L F G explanation point. What a game started fast, physical, getting shots on goal. Incredible. Put an emoji in there and I can't see what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it's a wow. It's an it's an otter. That's super cool. Incredible otter and kept that going the entire game. Let's go stars. So. Thank you for supporting Spits and Suds. Uh, Simone, really appreciate it. Court says, no question, just cheers, boys. What a win. Court, thank you so much for the cheers, and we totally agree with you. What a win. Fuzzy Wuzzy Boom Boom says, sleep, Spitzy. I'm going to sleep. Some of us have adulting to do, LOL. Hey, I have a radio hit at 7, 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. <laughs> I'm rolling, baby. If I could, if I, if, if a playoff beard looked good on me, like if I could be Jumbo Joe Thornton right now, I would have a playoff beard, but it's basically patchwork. So I, you know what? I might have to get like a fake beard and show up on one of these podcasts and surprise you, Sean. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, plenty of time to sleep. And uh, yeah, we can kind of uh 
rejuvenate before uh, Friday night. All right. At MB Tendy. Thank you so much for uh, listening to Spits and Suds. Super stoked about our second uh, Western Conference Finals in three years. What a textbook game by the Stars. Safe to say the Stanley Cup is there for the taking. Seems like you can make an argument for all four teams. 100%. Oh, 100%. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. All four teams are playing at a high level right now. Um, while I think it's not what people intended, uh, I think if you're a hockey fan, both the Western Conference and Eastern Conference is going to be some real, real exciting hockey. All right, October's very own. Uh, let me get his Twitter handle at Joe underscore Martinez 88. What problems will the Knights be for the Stars and what advantages will the Stars have? That's a great question. I think Sean and I will do a, a yeah. Stars Knights preview. But uh, initial thoughts on that, Sean? Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, Vegas, Vegas is similar to Seattle and uh, the, uh, it's similar to Seattle, but they have the, uh, they have, instead of not having a Jack Eichel, they have a Jack Eichel. See, that's, that's one of the biggest things where Vegas stylistically, schematically, they will come at you. They will come in waves. They will come with pressure. They will forecheck hard. But unlike Seattle, they have big name superstar players. They're built very similar to the stars. They, the two teams will play a very similar style. It's going to be fun. Just, it's going to be a lot of fun. The biggest thing, the biggest, uh, honestly, the biggest, and, we'll, and I want to, I don't want to go over everything right now because we'll have, we'll definitely do a preview later this week with, especially with it not being until Friday. But the biggest, the two biggest question marks for Dallas, honestly, are the, you can't have, you can't go through another round without your leading scorer from the regular season not scoring a single goal in Jason Robertson. And when it comes to goaltending, the Golden Knights have dealt with injuries, and I would take Jake Ottinger head to head against any of the goalies Vegas has. And so those, those are the two big things that, and we will talk way more about this later in the week. But it's it's going to be a fun series. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, David Saltzman, who's a Winnipeg Jets fan, says Mazel Tov. Thank you, David. Really appreciate that. Uh, Rampage at Q loves blink 182. What a game. Absolutely. Tonight's game was a lot of fun to watch. Even if it was, even if it was disappointing in defeat, uh, it was a terrific game to watch. Uh, exciting throughout at Allison Taylor 32. How much of the changes between games six to seven, one to two, three to four is coaching adjustments versus players just showing up after a defeat. Um, I think it's a combination of uh, both. It's pushing the right buttons. And at the same time, I think it's the the vets in the room kind of charging everyone up and, um, you know, people that have been there before really stepping up. What's your thoughts, Sean? Yeah, I, I think like I remember when I talked a little bit earlier about how I think Pete DeBoer is more of the tactical coach than the emotional coach. And I think there's stars when you make a, an adjustment from game to game, part of it's schematic, part of it's emotional. And I think with this stars team, I think the schematic tactical change falls on Pete DeBoer and Steve spot. And, uh, the, uh, and it's while the, uh, kind of emotional 
we play for each other drive comes from Jamie Ben, Joe Pavelski, Tyler Sagan. So I think it's it's kind of a, a mesh of the two together. Um, it's obviously not being completely in those internal conversations and obviously knowing knowing Jamie and and, and Jamie Ben's uh, how he interacts with the media. We'll never know exactly what Jamie Ben says, but I think a lot of it goes to him as well. So. Hey, Logan's been such a supporter of uh, Spits and Suds at Logan underscore Onyx. Miller Lindell pair needs to stay. It was very good. And then Aircon Alt Country and Beyond writes, how do you think Colin Miller performed tonight? Would you keep him uh, in going forward? So it is an interesting thing. I guess, I don't know how you're right, Sean. I don't know how banged up Hawk and Paw is, yeah. but... Um, you know, I mean, I did see a couple mistakes by Miller out there, but and a big but one of the main scoring chances, even though the stars didn't score, was started with a Colin Miller shot from the point. And I think that that's what he brings to the table. I mean, I don't think he's bad defensively, but I do like his offensive skill set, especially from the point. Yeah. And I mean, you also talk about storylines and things like that. I mean, Colin Miller's a former Vegas player too. He spent some time yep. there and figured. And so um, I, I really, you, you need to know, I mean, if Hockenpah is hurt, I think it's proper asset management to keep playing Miller. Um, and I still think based off performance, you still play Miller in game one. I also think one of the great things about this stars team has been their willingness to adjust the lineup and make changes and not only make changes based off a win or a loss. And I think the moral of the story, whether it's injury or performance wise, you will need Yanni Hockenpah again, whether that's Friday in game one or game three or whenever it is, you will need Yanni Hockenpah again and you will need Colin Miller again as well. So I think it's, I think for this game, for game one against Vegas, I need to know more about that injury before I can make a fair assessment of what you actually do for Friday night. What about Joel Hanley? Do they start the series? Or if you're Joel Hanley, you know you're coming in at some point. I have a hard time taking him. I think him and Harley have been really good together. Um, they don't play. I mean, their minutes are very are, are, are limited, right? Like it's uh, they're playing 12, 13 minutes a night or whatever. Um, and Miro Heiskanen is, is eating up even more minutes. Um, so I could see you putting can, I could see, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I would at least be open to the discussion of if Hockenpah is healthy, I would be open to the discussion of scratching Hanley and seeing maybe a Miller Harley pairing and just playing around with some things. But I also, I also know that with, with four days between games, you're going to, you could roll Miro Hishkin out for 38 minutes on Friday night. Like uh -huh. that he's like, he's like, he's someone who's going to have a lot of like, so, um, 
I think you kind of stick with this group right now. Like I'm, I'm yeah. talking myself into it. Now ask me again when we record a series preview and after we know a little bit more, but right now I'm sticking with this group. It's kind of like the Spittle Shapiro pairing as opposed <laughs> to the Spittle Ludwig pairing, you yeah. know? <laughs> yep. Uh, I tried to get, by the way, I I'm trying to get Ludwig to show up to one of these posts, you know, even if he's about 10 beers in, I think it'd be great. I mean, we'd That's, go off uh, in directions that have nothing to do with the game, but I think it'd yes, be good. yes, we would. <laughs> and Ed, Edgar Vargas uh, writes, "How's the next matchup looking?" And we talked about it a little bit, but I promise you, Edgar, we will have a deep dive stars nights uh, preview. So, awesome questions and comments tonight, guys. Uh, this has been terrific. This ride we're on together, Spits and Suds post uh, editions. It's awesome. Thank you so much. So Sean and I will be back later this week with a deep dive preview. We'll also get Craig on during the week and talk about his thoughts on tonight's game. And then we look ahead in uh, Vegas. If you are looking for some terrific reading material, the name of the book is called We <laughs> Win Here. It's Sean Shapiro's new book. I mean, why not get it as the stars are on this run and the Texas stars are on the run. So give us a quick, um, before you go, Sean, you know, you told us about the Jack Campbell, why Jason, yeah. uh, while, why Ottinger is here and it has to do with Jack Campbell. Sorry. Back in, back in Texas. Is there another story that has to do with a current Dallas star that you put in the book? Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, one of the, uh, one of the, one of the things that we talk about actually connects well a little bit to, even though Wyatt Johnson will never play a game for the Texas stars. It's, uh, there's a pretty good connection here where we go back to Julius Honka. And one of the reasons that I know Julius Honka was a, was a, was a social media phenomenon of should he play, should he, should he play, whatever free honka was the movement on twitter but when you when you distill it all down at the end of the day one of the biggest problems was julius honka found a loophole to play in the ahl as a 19 year old and it's the uh and because of that expectations were went sky high and he uh they kind of broke honka and for that same reason, there was a loophole for Honka to play in the AHL as a 19-year-old, and other players don't have that loophole. And it just it, you see, we see what Wyatt Johnson's doing right now as a 19-year-old in Dallas, and we see the fact that the Stars had to make the tough decision, and they made the right decision, and they had to make the but they made the, had to make the tough decision of do we play Wyatt in Windsor or do we play him in Dallas? There was no in between. The stars this year with Logan Stankoven had to make a similar decision. Do we play him in Kamloops or do we play him in Dallas? And they had to make, it's like, as much as I'm really excited about Wyatt Johnson and Logan Stankoven's future, I don't know if you would have had the success for Wyatt Johnson if you also tried to do it with Logan Stankoven too. Like you can only really, like you can only have so many teenagers move into Joe Pavelski's house. Totally. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like you can only have so many teenagers moving into Joe Pavelski's house. So uh, essentially there's a great story in there. It's called the Honka Wars. And it's all about how the AHL age limit for 19 year olds, I would argue it needs to be fixed and it would definitely create some better, uh, it would create some better development paths for everyone involved. So name of the book is, as you said, we win here, check out the URL. We win here.com directs you right to the spot. You can buy the book. Uh, 
And uh, you know what? It's for this organization, Gavin, it's stars are in the Western conference final. The Texas stars are tied one, one in the, uh, in, in the divisional final. And, uh, and now have three games on home ice to try to advance to the Western conference final. The Idaho steelheads are about to start the East, the Western conference final in the ECHL. This is a, uh, across the whole, uh, family of stars affiliates. The stars are the most successful franchise in North America right now. It's, wow. it's pretty impressive. Nice. Tom Gillardi must be uh, happy about that. And uh, about those Texas stars tying the series at 1-1, Maverick Bork with a big goal in that game. And then you look at the Kamloops Blazers with the previously mentioned Logan Stankoven, who many think will be on the stars next year. Sean and I both feel as though he is the next big one to show up. 14 games in the playoffs, 10 goals, 20 assists, 30 points. Granted, it's the WHL. A lot of open ice in junior hockey, but 30 points in 14 games. I would say that's a pretty good playoff run for Logan Stankoven. So, and he's still got the Memorial Cup coming up, too. Yeah, so, absolutely. Uh, and, yeah. and by the way, third in scoring is Matthew Semenoff, also Stars property, mm-hmm. 19 points, 14 uh, games played, 10 goals, nine assists. So, you're right. The future is bright. And uh, I think that's what's so exciting about this Stars playoff run is. When I look back at the bubble, Sean, um, I thought it was a good run. Mm-hmm. I really did. But I didn't I, – I, I always question, is it a sustainable run? Yeah. This, I feel, after this year, they have sustainability. They have a good core, and they have a lot of youngsters coming up through the system. They have some really good vets on the team, and they're going to have to make space eventually for some of these young kids. So it's not like the miners are bare for the Dallas Stars. So I think that's what's excited is they made some key trade deadline around that area moves, picking up Max Domi, picking up Dadanoff, Dadanoff, um, without giving up a lot. So they didn't give up any of their young prospects. So really excited about the future. And the other thing that this run, that's great about this run, and you take nothing away. Like, don't take anything away from that team in the bubble in 2020. It's always going to be a part of Stars lore and everything like that. But the building tonight, Game 7, at home, it's yeah. rocking. Like, there's something, like, there's something about actual playoff hockey that you could see in person and not like like obviously it was a weird time in the world it was covid and at some point it'll it'll all it'll all be in the history books and everything like that but there's uh there's something special about getting this for stars fans to get them something back in person that they missed out on when that team went on that run that they did in 2020 in that bubble in edmonton and I, I have the audio saved because I was going to, you know, for a May or June podcast, but I'll just say this. Watched an interview with Connor Bedard, five years old, <laughs> watching Kevin BX a score, a massive goal in the playoffs, 
and how excited he said he was at five years old. Tonight, there's some youngster because it was early enough that we're able to watch a game seven between the Dallas Stars and the Seattle Kraken. And I guarantee we'll wake up with a smile on their face. And that's what creates youth hockey, both girls and boys youth hockey here in DFW. Tonight, to me, was somewhat generational. And that's why I'm so excited that the Stars move on. I, I know I'm making a big deal of it, but listen, folks. When, when these things happen, what's happening in Florida right now, what's happened in Seattle, Vegas, you're building generations of hockey fans, and that's why it's good. That's the other side of why it's good with non-traditional hockey markets having success in the playoffs. It's, I mean, it's, it's huge for the game. It's, I know there's going to be, there's going to be a lot coming out. There's going to be some angry, butt hurt, opinions and columns coming out over the next couple of days about how Vegas is the most, is the most Northern team of the remaining four and everything like that. And I'm just going to laugh at them because it's, it's, it's great for the sport. Like we, we look at, I love that Vegas and Dallas uh, game two is a two o'clock start on sunday i think i think it's two o'clock two o'clock or three o'clock or whatever it is i love that it's an afternoon game for game two of this series so you get more people to that time for more young kids to watch this series like it's uh embrace it enjoy it like yeah so it's i (laughs) it's 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 good for the sport let's put it that way yeah absolutely and we end on that Sean, thank you for your time and uh, look forward to doing a deep dive uh, preview uh, later this week. Looking forward to it, Gavin. And as always, everyone, thank you again for listening and sticking with us. And you guys have been one of the biggest reasons we keep doing this because the success yeah. has been fun to watch. The numbers have been great. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And there's still time to spread the word. We have another series ahead of us that there's a cool podcast that's talking about your Dallas stars as they move on to the Western conference finals. So please make sure you share today's podcast and, and tell people about it because together we're growing and it's such an awesome feeling. So that's going to do it for Sean Shapiro. I'm Gavin Spittle. We will talk to you soon as the Dallas stars, your Dallas stars advance to the Western conference finals. Enjoy this celebrate. We will talk to you soon on spits and suds.